0: the blueprint for the church, a picture, a portrait of the New Testament church through the eyes of the book of Acts, through the eyes of the book of Acts. We've learned that we need to assume the position church was born out of prayer and those who are in the upper room. Uh, We've also learned that you need to turn the power on. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and he filled the church. As Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea and unto the uttermost parts of the earth and then we learn that your miracle your miracle is just a prayer away just a prayer way today we're going to be considering something that I believe that we need to grasp even though we're not living in Ukraine are on the border of North Korea as a South Korean citizen, nor are we walking in some of the places in the world where terrorism can break out, or going down to Las Vegas to gamble, only to have an insane person pulling out a butcher knife and deciding uh, to just murder people uh, randomly just because they didn't answer his questions. We are at war, and the side that we are on is the Lord's side, but we need to choose that we are going to fight. And if we are going to fight the Lord's way, it's going to require that we understand what the word has to say about the warfare that we are in. The German philosopher George Hegel famously said, The only thing that we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. One of the reasons some of the most heinous acts in history are occurring and reoccurring in history is because we haven't learned from the past. A pastor who lived in Germany during the Second World War Learned this painful lesson about history in, a, in the hard way. He learned that silence, when we say nothing, it really is speaking very loudly. We are giving consent. And when we are only concerned about our own peace, we just want to chill. We just want to be comfortable. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to cause any problem. Let's just get through our day. That that can be extremely consequential from the vantage point of what the Lord has called us to do in the world. The pastor said when the Germans under Hitler's leadership came to get the communists, he didn't speak because he wasn't a communist. Why should I say anything? I'm not a communist. Then Hitler came for the Jews, but this pastor said, I said nothing because I'm not Jewish. Then he came for the workers, or the members of the trade union, and the pastor said, I'm not a a unionist, so why should I poke my nose into their affairs? So he said, I remain silent. After coming for the unionists and the Catholics and the Jews, Hitler sent his troops after the Catholics. And this pastor said, I'm a Methodist pastor, I'm not Catholic, so why do I need to join this fight by saying anything, so he said nothing. Then he said, finally, they came after me. But there was no one left to speak. When it comes to taking a stand for Christ by what we say, it is a matter of life And death. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Christians cannot afford to idly drive by and roll up our tenant car windows, shaking our heads and talking about man, it's bad in this area. I can't believe it's like this. It was never like this when I grew up. And I hope the Eagles aren't on. One of the most dangerous things that we have at our access that is also one of the greatest blessings is this thing called convenience. It's amazing to me how many times I go into uh, an establishment, go into the doctor's office, no one's talking. Everybody's head is leaning downward, looking at their cell phones. I believe that one of the the most effective tools in the hands of Satan is our cell phone, is our iPads. We are so preoccupied by keeping our minds stimulated and entertained that we have no idea that we are in a world that is literally sinking right in front of our eyes. And so when we come to this passage, it's a passage about an event that if we're not careful, you could actually gloss over it because it doesn't seem that important. It just seems like one of the events that transpires in the process or in the, in the flow of a day. But if Peter and John had not responded the way that they did and should have, the New Testament church, as we know it, may not exist today. Your silence may be the very thing that determines heaven or hell for a relative, for a child. While we have our heads pointed down, only feeding ourselves, overwhelmed with information that we don't need, that we don't use, chasing scandals, we have no time to do what the Lord has told us to do. We're more concerned about a scratch on our car than the sin of busting hell wide open. The church has become so complacent. The devil doesn't even have to worry about us, doesn't have to fight with us. He's over there drinking, uh, uh, chilling on the side of the beach, just watching us devour ourselves as a sleeping giant. And so today, as we look into the scriptures, I want to talk about the need for us to stand up when the devil would try to step on us, to stand up to stand up when we're stepped on. And whether you know it or not, the devil has stepped on us. The Bible says that we should not be deceived concerning the devil's devices. He is a, the Bible says that the devil masquerades, he disguises himself as an angel of light. He, he disguises himself with our computers. He disguises himself through our tablets. He disguises himself in ways that we don't even realize that we are being, we are being controlled by him. And ineffective for the Lord. God forgive us for our complacency. God forgive us for our, our laziness. God forgive us for our mediocrity. God forgive us for not having a burden for people who are lost and on their way to a Christless eternity. God forgive us. God wake us up. That we would be able to stand up when we don't. When we are being stepped on, the church is being stepped on because we are. We're like. Uh, we're, we're, we're like a mighty army that has been connected with our power source. Mm. And so we turn our attention to, to Acts chapter 4, but in order to understand Acts chapter 4, we go back to chapter 3 to, to, to get a clear understanding of the purpose of miracles, the purpose of miracles and the purpose of miracles. We learned on last week that in John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, Jesus did many other signs and wonders in the presence of these disciples, but they're not recorded in this book, but these that are written are recorded that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing in him, we will have eternal life. The purpose for every sign, for every miracle, is to point us to Jesus. And so we meet this man who is lying at the gate. He'd been there. He'd He'd been lame for 40 years, and every day he is placed at the the entrance of the gate going into the temple, and his full intention at the gate is to gain money, to beg for alms. And on this day, he doesn't know that this was the, his miracle was just a yes away. He did not know. Your miracle may be just a yes away. You, you may be accustomed to this coming into the church, and you get here. This is the routine thing that we do on Sunday. But your miracle may be here today. Your miracle may be here today. And so the Bible says that Peter looked at the man, and he said to the man who was lame, he said, look at us, look at us you in church today look at Jesus, see Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith look the behind the pastor see Jesus the man looked at looked at Peter and, and Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth rise and walk. And the man, the Bible says that he felt strength in his ankles, strength in his knees and his legs, and he began to leap and shout and jump. How about the fact that the Lord saved us from our lameness called sin? And we should be leaping and shouting because if it had not been for the grace of God, we would still be in our sins. So he runs into the temple And the people who are praising God and studying the word, they recognize him. He's a lame man, not even identified by his real name, but by his condition. He's the man that was lame, but now he's shouting and he's praising praising God. But your miracle won't necessarily make everybody happy. We see in chapter 4 of Acts that everybody wasn't happy with the miracle that God has wrought in your life. I want you to understand the moment that Jesus saved you, that's a miracle. The moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb, that's a miracle. The fact that you're sitting in front of me breathing and your lungs are working and you have no control of, that's a miracle. The heart is pumping blood throughout your body. You have no control of that. That's a miracle. The fact that you are here today, alive, that's a miracle. But everybody wasn't excited about The miracle, the Bible tells us in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, because here's what happens. A miracle without a message leads to misinformation. Peter declared in the name of Jesus, and the lame man was healed. Then in chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible said, and they all ran to Peter. And Peter said, well, don't don't you by any means... Think that the fact that this man is, is healed, that I had anything to do with it. All I had to do was open up my mouth, but he was healed through the power of Jesus Christ. A miracle without a message leads to miscommunication, misinformation, leads to confusion. And so Peter begins to preach, and that invites the enemies who are not happy about the things that are going on. They now, we read in verse 1, it says, now as they were spoken, as Peter was speaking to the, to the priests, as he, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Everybody's not happy with miracle that God has brought into your life. And the interesting thing as we think about what the world is trying to do to the church today, to silence our voices, to keep us from declaring who Jesus is in our life, to stop using such words as sin and resurrection and repentance. We don't hear those words anymore. That's offensive. That's shaming. That's bullying. And so We navigate around those words, but the Lord calls it what it is. Somebody say amen. Now, the problem we see is that the Sadducees, who they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. But they were part of a a larger religious group, which was made up of Pharisees and the high priests. And that group combined, there were 70 of them and they were called the Sanhedrin, which is equivalent to the Supreme Court of our day. That was the highest-ranking Jewish court, and they were responsible for giving spiritual leadership over the nation of Israel. Now, what's interesting to me is the problem that they had is not that the, 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 uh, they didn't deny that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. They didn't have a problem with that. Their issue was Peter and John were preaching and teaching that he rose from the dead devil don't have no problem with us coming to church and hallelujah, let's get our holy huddle. Ain't he alive? Ain't God real? we going to roll over five times. Roll back with sin time. They don't have no problem. What, he, what the devil gets upset about is when we take this message outside of the church and you start publicly telling people he rose. He's alive. He's coming back. So they were upset that that Peter, that there were Christians who were actually fulfilling the Great Commission, Christians who actually were telling those who didn't know Christ that he's alive. Their issue was, "Eh, you can go on and have church, just don't tell nobody. I don't care if a few people congregate, just don't let this thing spread. So they weren't denying the resurrection. The Bible says and we need to understand this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 says if our gospel is hidden if the euangelion the good news concerning the death burial and Jesus Christ is concealed it is hidden to those who are lost who the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who do not believe, lest they see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the icon of God, who is the image of God. So when we don't tell others about Jesus, we're helping the devil out because we're keeping the gospel concealed to those who are blind. Every Christian not just those who have the gift of evangelism. We have been all called to tell somebody about Jesus. Unfortunately, most Christians are going to go to heaven without ever, without ever even telling anybody that they need to get saved. Come get, come to my church. Come hear my pastor. No, 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 no. The Lord says you need to be working in your Jerusalem, your home, your neighborhood, to tell them about Jesus. Now, why, why would... They not want people to know about the resurrected Christ. Now, we need to understand that the Jewish leaders are the ones who went to Pilate and said, we choose Barabbas, a thief, a murderer, an insurrectionist, crucify Christ. They were the ones because they thought they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So this wasn't even about an issue of salvation that they rejected Christ. They were more concerned that this message concerning Jesus would spread, and then they would lose some of their folks to the church up the the street. But let let me share some reasons why the religious leaders had a problem. They wanted to step on the Christians, shut down our voices, silence us, keep us comfortable being distracted. Going head on into the divine Divine chastisement because we're not doing what the Lord chose us. Here, let me give you three reasons. They chose tradition over truth. In in Luke chapter, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses 8-9, the scripture says, Jesus speaking he said, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you? He said, This people draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. They teach instead of the commandments of God. The traditions of men. We love church more than we love Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have gone to visit churches on communion Sunday. I almost got into a fight with the deacon. He's right. The deacon do this. We, we do what? We hold the bread. Okay, you hold the bread. We better let people know about the bread of life. You can't be a deacon at this church unless you got a white suit. Well, you got a white suit, but you live a dirty life. And so we, we, we can be more concerned about traditions, how things are done. Thank God that's not our issue here. We can come dressed down, dressed up. Even, even my wife now will wear a pair of pants every now and then. Hallelujah! Well, praise the Lord! Praise hey, the Lord! It's a little funny. She always said, "Is it okay if I?" What do you mean? If it's okay? Is it cold out there? <laughs> I, I respect the fact that she is concerned about how I think about how she dressed. Amen. But they chose tradition. You you profit. You you draw nigh unto me. You you look the part. I'm gonna preach a sermon. You're not who you pretend to be. <laughs> That's your representative. <laughs> Here's another reason. They trusted man-made righteousness. You remember the story in Luke chapter 18 where the Pharisee goes to the, t- to the temple to pray and Jesus gives the parable and then the, the, the public and the, the tax gatherer and the, and, the, and, the, and the public, uh, the, the Pharisee, I thank God I'm not, I'm not like this sinner here. But before Jesus comments on what he says, he said that, that there was a group, of, let, me, let me read it. You don't, you're not going to believe me as so I read it. And I, w- I want you to... Follow me in the scriptures. In Luke chapter uh, uh, 18, verse 9 says, Also, I, he spoke a parable of some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. The reason why they didn't think they needed Jesus is because they thought they were righteous. I talked to people. Tell about Jesus. Well, I had a dream and I saw my son in heaven and therefore I know I'll see him again. No, you, you better not be trusting that you're going to see your son in heaven. Well, I had i had this near-death experience and I saw my body on on, on the garney, and they were talking to me. I saw this bright light. It could have been hell's fire, but I saw this bright light and, and, and I heard a voice say, it's not your time. And now I know I'm going to heaven because I saw the bright light. You better identify what that light is. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life, and no man, the truth and the life, no man can come into the Father except by me. And so there are people who trust in their own made man righteous, man-made righteousness. I pray five times a day. I fast. Oh, I even tithe every now and then. What are you trusting to get you into heaven? I do better. I try to do the best I can. Guess what? The best you can, the Bible says, all of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. The best you can do, if you haven't trusted Christ plus nothing else, there's no way that you're going to find yourself accepted and to enter into the presence of God to spend eternity with it. So they trusted in himself. And they also found the cross. Offensive, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. they are people, if you tell them that the only way to get saved is through the cross of Christ, they'll laugh in your face. Paul says, the preaching of the cross is to them who are perishing, foolishness, moronic, but unto us who are being saved. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so for the Jew, it was offensive to think that somehow, because it was taught in Deuteronomy 23, cursed is everything that hangs on the tree. So when Jesus died on the cross, they said he couldn't be our Savior because he died on a tree. He died a shameful, humiliating, disgusting death. How do you dare ask me, a Jew, to believe in somebody that can save me that died like that? The cross was, an, uh, was offensive. I want you to understand that until what bothers the Lord bothers us, what would cause us to tell other people about Jesus is not going to be a problem. It won't bother you. But, but, but with these, with, what, what happened here is that the, the issue was that these religious leaders said, We cool with church, we cool with miracles we got a problem with you preaching about this dude named Jesus. If you just cool out on that. My question is, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When is the last time you had enough courage to stand anywhere outside the church and give a public testimony? I once was lost. But now. Now here's the pressure. Here's why we... I, let me tell you, let me, let me just use myself. Here's why I struggle sometimes. So, here, here's what they did to shut down Christians, to silence our voices. They took the Christmas music out of the church, out of the, 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 the mall first. Then they say you couldn't pray no more in, church, in school. You remember all of that? And then, we, then we, we voted for a president that bullied everybody so we could get the music back in the mall. And, now we got a hero that can, we can listen to Christian music while we spend all the Lord's money and never think about Jesus while we're breaking ourselves and putting ourselves in debt. But here's the pressure. The first thing they did in, in, in verse 3, it says, look, look, look what it says it does. And being gratefully disturbed that they taught people and preached that Jesus was resurrected, in verse, in verse 3, it says, and they laid hands on them, and they put, took them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. The first thing they did to intimidate Christians to silence their voice was incarceration. The Bible says in the end times, those who proclaim my name will be taken into custody and placed in the prison. Oh, you don't believe me. <laughs> Luke chapter uh, 21, verse 12, it says uh, here's what the scripture says. But before all of this, they shall seize you, persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogue and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. You know how, if you're getting ready to run that, what is it, 4K? Don't I look like I've been running for? No, don't. 다, no, are you getting ready to, to, to do, do the marathon? Before you take the marathon, before you get ready to run that, you're not just going to jump out there and do it. You're going to get you're going to get the right nutrition. You're going to take months in preparation. You're going to run three miles. You're going to run six miles. You're going to run eight, 10, then you're going to get up to the 26. And then when you finally build up enough na- stamina, you can actually run the marathon and complete. You may not even finish, but you're not going to complete it unless you're prepared, right? I want you to know that the Lord is saying it's coming a time when just talking about my name in public places will result in you being incarcerated. I wonder if you prepared yourself the same way we prepare ourselves for going on vacation, the same way we prepare ourselves before we go on a ma- do a marathon. If we aren't prepared, we will be silent. We will be defeated. We will not have victory. And so intimidation, we put you in jail. You talking about Jesus? In Canada, you preach against homosexuality, you can go to jail. Getting quiet up in here. Oh, they're silencing our voices. You don't say certain things about certain sins anymore. Oh, you called a homosexuality an abomination. No, I didn't do that. God did it. Don't don't be mad at me. I'm I'm just going to the word now. If you find that the word doesn't say that, then I'm wrong, and let me be a liar and God be true. Call me he, but I'm a she. I'm going to call you what you are. Well, that's workplace harassment. You may get lose your job and get fired. You may end up. I may just get fired. But I'm going to stand. Are you prepared? For what's happening right in our faces, it's being forced down our throats. Are you prepared? Here's another thing they did. They're not only the devil, in terms of pressuring us to be silent about Jesus in public places, they, it, there's going to be isolation. What, what, what the Pharisee and guards, temple guards, did? they, they took the disciples, Peter and John, away from the crowd, away from the... Away from the other disciples. The devil will make you afraid of isolation. One of the things I feared most when I got saved, I'm going to lose my friends. I ain't going to be cool no more. I don't do the things that I use. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm weird. And so I would miss church so I could hang with my friends every other Sunday. Until one Sunday where I was hanging with my friends. I was standing right in front of the church watching the church have church. And, and, and my friends, we're going out to play football, going out there to hurt each other. That's the way we play football. It was about who can hurt the other person. And nobody told me that a rival gang was coming up behind me. A guy had a shotgun right behind me. I'm leaning over the po- over the uh, telephone post, and he got, he got right behind me. He said, you better run. You better run. I ain't running, man. These are my friends. They, they, they had all left me. Nobody said anything. And I'm just walking. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here today. And that was on that day, the Lord says, i got real friends for you because friends don't leave you to be killed. Amen. But it took that <laughs> for me to not be afraid of isolation. The devil, oh, I, I got to get me a man. I'm going to be getting old and I have somebody. I'm going to have somebody coming and sleeping next to me. He may be a demon. He may be a legion of demons, but it'll be somebody, Something. I might give me a portable inflatable something. You can buy those things now. It can press the button and it'll talk to you. How you doing? <laughs> the devil will try to intimidate you from living for the Lord and speaking for the Lord through isolation, and then intimidation. When you get a chance in verses five through seven, the Bible says that they that the, after after the night was over, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin gathered, and they brought. Peter and John, and they set them in the midst of the most powerful religious leaders in Jerusalem. That's like going to Washington and sitting in front of the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, and the rest of them. That would be very intimidating. And so what the devil was intending to do through these powerful men is to intimidate Peter and John. As they stood in the midst of them. You see my credential. I'm Dr. So and so. I got my master's degree. I own my own company. I own all of those projects and houses down there. I got me a Beast French house. I got me, look what I'm driving, a Lamborghini. So, all those things the devil can use to intimidate us and think, man, what can I say to him? What can I say to her? All of that pressure was the intention of the enemy to, to silence the voice of Christian, what are you allowing to silence you? Intimidation, retaliation. The Bible says in verse 22, when they couldn't, when, they, it said, when, the, when the religious leaders could not figure out how to stop, how, how to, what to do, they said, they threatened them. They said, don't do it anymore. We'll hurt you. We will harm you. We will harm you. Here's a big one. The pressure that the devil uses rejection. If I tell people about Jesus where I work, they won't invite me to lunch. If I tell people about Jesus where I work, I won't get that job promotion. If I tell people about Jesus uh, uh, in my family, I, I won't get any gifts for Christmas. We don't want to be disliked. We don't want to be left out. We want people liking us on Facebook. We want people uh, 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 listening to what we, what we are posting. We want the people looking at our pictures. We want people to know where we've gone. We want people to know what we're doing. Somebody said the greatest addiction in the world is not illegal drugs. It's the addiction for approval. We want to be liked. We want people to, to 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 say good things about us. We would rather be silent and not be known as a Christian rather than somebody to know that we're saved and then they no longer like us. Oh, those are those evangelicals. The devil would apply pressure on the church to keep us from sharing Christ. And here's a here's here's something that's going to happen in this happened. It's called codification. They're gonna make it's a law that if you, if you preach about certain things from the pulpit, it's called hate speech. If you talk about certain lifestyles, it's called hate speech. And therefore, you can be arrested. Your church can be shut down because these things are not just uh, 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 things that they talk about. Now they are part of the law. And the question for Christians is, are we going to be silenced? Are you still with me? These are pressures. Now watch the power of God. They take Peter and John into prison, right? Verse, 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 uh, verse 1 of chapter 4. They stand there overnight because the religious leaders, they don't work overnight. They don't do no overtime. <laughs> Isn't that funny about religion? They cool on church, but don't call me after church. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're in prison, the preacher's in prison. The Bible says in verse 4 that over 5,000 men get saved from the word that was preached. You cannot incarcerate the word. (laughs) You can't stop the effectiveness of the word. So what we see, even under pressure, when you stand and refuse to be silent about who Jesus is, the power of God will use the gospel to save even those who have heard it and received it. The Bible says, Paul Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 5,000 men got saved on the day that Peter and John were arrested. Not only was the power of the Holy Spirit at work, the Bible says that Peter and John, uneducated, that is, they weren't seminary trained, they weren't Bible school trained, but they had the best teacher in the world, Jesus. They sat at the feet of Jesus for three years, but the, but the rabbinical leaders didn't recognize that. The Bible says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood up in the midst of the Sanhedrin, and he said, you know, Jesus, the one that you crucify, oh, my God, Their their church ministry now becomes a prison ministry. They're preaching to the very people who don't want to ever hear anybody else hear about Jesus. Now, the the ironic part, God is using Peter and John to preach to them. This Jesus you crucified, he is the stone that the builders rejected. And now he's become the chief cornerstone. And and then, then Peter says, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, neither... Is there salvation in any other name given unto man whereby he must be saved? By then they said, well, we'll take them out of the room. (laughs) This is enough. So the power of God was at work when the church was being persecuted. I want you to know that persecution doesn't make the church worse. It makes us better. We're running from persecution, but the church has always grown its, 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 its quickest and strongest when we have been under attack, when we've been willing to stand for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the power of the Holy Spirit comes over, over Peter. He shared the gospel with the very ones who incarcerated him, and then they prayed. In, 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 in verse 31, the Bible says, after Peter and John were released, they went and found the other Christians, and they said, look, that was, they were scared. They were So they prayed for boldness. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit caused the place where they were praying the floor to shake. Anybody ever been in a spirit-filled meeting where it felt like the floor was shaking? It didn't feel like. The Bible said the floor was shaking and the room was filled with smoke. And God released to them the answer to their prayer. I want you to know when we stand up and proclaim Christ to a dying world, miraculous things will happen. Miraculous thing. So the power of God was not hindered. Let me finish with this. When the world steps on us, we have to step up. Here's the first way we can step up. We need to clarify what is the issue. Here was the issue for the, uh, Peter and John. They said, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus again. That ought to be an issue for you if somebody ever said that to you. Clarify the issue. It's okay for people of the same sex to get married. Clarify the issue. Is that an issue? Who should you marry? Can you marry just any other Christian? Clarify the issues. Do you get to choose your own gender? Can you have abortion on demand? What about the LBGQ community? Should the church embrace that community? Yep. Clarify the issues. What is the issue? Should a husband have authority over his wife in the home? Or is that just chauvinistic, archaic Paul having a problem? Yep. Clarify the issues, brother, before you marry a person who doesn't think that that's an issue. Wives. Should you marry someone that you cannot follow? Clarify the issues. Are you still with me? Is it okay to live together and, and do what the Bible calls fornication and never get married? Is that okay? Clarify the issues. Sometimes I'm cool with that. All right. Is that an issue? And there are many other other uh, uh, issues. How do you how do you if you get into a dis- disagreement with your spouse? Do you can you cuss each other out? Can you withhold forgiveness? Can you just punch him in the face? Don't that make you feel so much better? <laughs> so, so we 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 we, we the pressure. We'll release the power, and then we can understand what our position is as you clarify the issue. What is the issue? Now, here's the second thing you do. Compare the issue with what the Bible teaches. Well, I don't know how I feel about it. Everybody should have their own right. Who can tell you who you love? The Bible, God who created marriage, who created the heavens and the earth, the earth is his and the fullness of So what you do, once you clarify the issue about who you can marry, if I can get out of a bad marriage, and if I don't like him anymore, i am falling fall out of love with her. Go to the Bible with your issue and see how does what you are thinking match what God has said. And if it doesn't agree with the Bible, guess what? If you are a Christian, you need to take God's side, the biblical position, not the political position. Oh, help me out, Holy Ghost. Help me out, Holy Ghost. We need some Christians with some backbone. Compare the issue with the scriptures and then choose to obey God. Listen to what uh, 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 Peter says. For we cannot but speak. The things which we have seen and heard. He said, we don't, I don't know what matters to you, whether you think we should listen to you, but we're going to choose to obey God. Yes. I'm tired of Christianity. Well, this is how I feel, and this is my opinion. Let your, everybody has an opinion, but God has a final say. Yes. Choose, Peter says, as for me and my house. I'm going to say and believe what God says about this issue. I'm going to be on the Lord's side. I'm so glad that Caleb and Joshua said, the ten spies said, we cannot enter in. We will not be victorious. They're giants and they're overwhelming and they're challenging. But, the, the, but uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua said, God said it. Come on. Come on. Therefore, that what? That settles it. Oh, you need to get on the Lord's side, but how are you going to get on the Lord's side by comparing the scriptures with the issues if you don't know the Bible? You know when the next concert's going to be. You know how to order stuff on Amazon. You know how to play uh, 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 video games until you can't stay awake and go to work on time. But you don't know your word. And so you have been placed yourself in a position of silence. Let me finish. Let me finish. Choose to obey God rather than men. But here's the final part. Continue to love people you disagree with. This is the part that the world, how can you say that homosexuality, love, and adultery is wrong, and God is love. Yes, he is, but he hates our sin. God accepts us right where we are, but he doesn't leave us where we are. And so I don't agree with everything my children say and do. And they sure enough don't agree with everything I say and do, even though I'm right and they wrong. <laughs> but we don't love each other any less. God said my wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, no matter what kind it is, and all who hold down the truth in unrighteousness, but he so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son. So God doesn't, know, he doesn't hate the sinner. He loves the sinner, but he hates our, our sin. So I can love what I hate. I can love the person without loving what they do. Are you willing to step up when they're trying to step on you? When they're trying to silence your voice, when they don't want to hear the name of Jesus. I can pray in Buddha's name and Allah's name, but don't let me mention the name of Jesus in the public I said, look, I'm a Christian. I don't know any other way to talk to God. So when I pray, I'm going to use the name of Jesus. When I'm in public, I don't care if I'm with all of my heathen, pagan, Canaanite, Cushite friends. I'm going to bow over that food because, I don't, first of all, I don't know what they, how they prepared it. And I'm also going to be nice nice with the waitress because I don't want them to take it back and do something to it after I pray. Step up. Step up. Tell somebody about Jesus. The fruit is hanging low. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful. People want Jesus. They just haven't heard about the Jesus of the Bible. We need to tell them, we need to tell them, stand with me. The pressure to be silenced is there, but the power of the Holy Ghost is still at work. We need to be positioned properly by clarifying the issues, comparing the issues with what the Word of God says, choosing to obey God rather than man and continuing to love people even though they're not obedient to God. Some of you remember the story of the king with no clothes? He thought he was sharp. He, he, he hired these weavers and they were making him an outfit. They said, this, "This what we're making you so exquisite, it's invisible. Only the most elite, only the most uh, highest of, the, of your kingdom can, can see the clothes. And every day the king would try on his invisible clothes, butt naked, but nobody dared to say. Oh, king, put something on that. Finally, the day came where he would be able to show his magnificent outfit to all the citizens. He's leading the parade. It's a little cold, but it's it's just the, the, the nature of the material. And and, and he's walking and all of the citizens are, oh, great king, how marvelous you dress. How amazing your garment is. Oh, it's beyond recognition because they want to be a part of the elite. They want to be a part of, they don't want to get rejected. They don't want to be isolated. And then one little voice said, the king is naked. The king ain't got no clothes on. And then all of a sudden, the king whose eyes had been blinded by deception he realized that voice that spoke out was right. I want you to know that the world that we're living in is naked and we don't even know that we're unclothed. But if we choose to be silent and don't speak out with all the riches and all the material things that we have, we're naked before God, we're wretched and undone. But when you share the gospel, we can see our nakedness and our need for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we need you more than ever before. Father, we need to put a pause on all this social media distraction. We can't even drive our cars without texting on our phones. We can't, we, we're not just watching TV, we're texting, we, we're on our, on our tablets, we're doing multiple things, but we're not thinking about you. We're not praying. We're not being directed by your spirit to have discernment about that loved one, that coworker that needs Jesus. Suicide is at an all time high. Drugs in America are at an all-time epidemic level. Racism and sexism and all of that. And God, you said, if my people. Father, may we come under conviction about allowing ourselves to be confused and drifting away from the faith. We have drifted away from the faith. Our hearts are more, are more like the heart of the Pharisees than it is like the tax collector. God, I pray that you would give us a tender heart, a tender heart. Father, that we would come to a place where when we think about the world's condition, that it would bring tears to our eyes. Oh, God, may we not just think that this is a foregone conclusion, that there's nothing that anybody can do. We're waiting for the politicians. We're waiting for more money to be sent. We're waiting. No, no, no. You're waiting for your people, oh, God. Your people, oh, God, are the light. We are the salt. The world needs more light, needs more salt. Hear our prayer, oh, God. God, I pray that you would give us no peace, that you would trouble us, that you would make our lives uncomfortable. Whatever you need to do to turn the church back to its mission, God, release it right now. I know pastors are saying another blessing for another day. No, 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 no. We don't need another blessing. We need to be obedient to the one who's already blessed us. In Jesus' name as we bow our heads before the Lord, I want you to know, before I ever open my mouth and preach to you, God has already done a job on me. I lose sleep for the heaviness of what God puts on my heart because of what I'm not doing. And so, I'm not just talking to you. God has already spoken to me. I will not.